2: I continue through the frog in my throat, My apologies. into hour number two at nine minutes past ten o'clock on this Wednesday, the 11th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks again to uh, Congressman Jim Jordan and former Congressman Jim Renacci talking about a number of things, both of them addressing, to some extent or another, the Wuhan coronavirus that um, continues to now essentially play, I don't want to use the word plague, but do you understand the meaning of that, to affect so many lives in the state of Ohio including those of people who have not yet had any transmission, any contact on any traveling or anything else uh, but they are having their events cancelled college students being sent home to do screen interaction with professors as opposed to face-to-face learning and more so it's time to learn a little bit more about this virus and time to learn a little bit more about what the proper precautions really should be and joining us now to help analyze that is Dr. Heidi Gullett with Case Western Reserve University professor there as well as uh, an advisory, served in an advisory role, rather, for the Ohio Department of Health, the Health Policy Institute of Ohio, and the Ohio Academy of Family Physicians. Dr. Gullett, thank you uh, so much for joining us. How are you?
3: Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show.
2: Good to have you. First of all, since you are, first and foremost, a uh, professor at uh, Case Western Reserve University, um, tell me what Case is doing. Are they following Governor DeWine's directive to send students home and uh, skip the face-to-face learning?
3: Yes, they are. So President Snyder sent, a, and I have to say that the administration has been wonderful all the way through keeping all of us, faculty and students, informed of all of the guidance as this unfolded. Um, And then they sent us guidance yesterday about moving to virtual uh, instruction.
2: Tell me how that's working there, and I'm going to just kind of use it as a blanket for all of the other universities, and I know everybody doesn't do things exactly the same way, but, but how are universities protecting the students if they are not leaving campus? What I mean by that is, are students still allowed to gather in dining halls? Are students still allowed to gather socially? And if so, why can't they just go ahead and gather in the auditoriums and have their lectures?
3: Yeah, so um, I have to say, I have not been intimately involved in the high-level decision-making at Mm Case Western Reserve University. I am a faculty in the School of Medicine, and I do teach there. But I Mm -hmm. am, in this COVID-19 unfolding, uh, the medical director for the Cuyahoga County Board of Health. So I have been much more on the local public health side as far as the planning. So I can't Mm -hmm. speak to the specifics about how they're handling uh, congregate living arrangements and dining halls and things like that. But I can speak to what um, we recommend as precautions from the local public health side. So okay we recommend, yeah
2: no i'm sorry please continue
3: so we recommend folks um you know particularly those at highest risk for this infection so covid19 is a type of coronavirus There are seven different types this is the most new or novel but we have four that circulate seasonally and cause mild infection we know this one is new and i think that's why it's of concern to so many uh, people so what we know about it is that in general or in the six foot area um, that's where we find the most transmission and so our goal is to encourage people to do what's called social distancing. And so this would be true for people in all kinds of settings, including at college, that they would be uh, as far away from possible as from other folks and that you would stay uh, isolated. If you were sick, you know, even if you just have the flu or a virus, we would hope that you would stay away from folks and really employ that social distancing piece. Hand washing is critical. This is a a common public health intervention. It's it's our first and foremost, but it's washing with soap and water for 20 seconds, and that's happy birthday sung twice for the 20 seconds. Most people don't wash as long as we need to. Um, And then doing other things like cleaning surfaces with the correct products on a regular basis. These are all things that we feel like are really important for listeners to understand so that everyone can protect themselves not just from this but from influenza and other infections that are seasonally seasonally occurring at this point
2: well you just hit the nail right on the head that was going to be my next question because everything you're describing is common sense hygiene and it's common sense particularly in, a, in you know infectious disease season otherwise known as flu season or cold and flu season you know as the weather gets cooler in places like ohio so um why is why are we doing anything differently now because of this COVID-19? Everything you just said is good. You're right. Wash your hands. Stay six feet away from anybody who's exhibiting symptoms, coughing, sneezing, whatever the case might be. If you have a fever, if you have a hard time breathing or whatever, you should stay home anyway. These are all common sense things, but we didn't cancel classes, and we didn't say no fans and sporting events each year that we have the influenza season, in which we are also supposed to practice these very same uh, behaviors.
3: Right. It's a great question. And influenza is still really prominent in our community. We had three deaths just last week from influenza here in Cuyahoga County. So, mm-hmm. you know, we want to get the message across to folks that, um, you know, influenza is still an issue, but we're handing things a little bit different with this because it goes back to what I said earlier about this being a new virus or a novel virus. So, yes, we know that we have other coronaviruses around, but this one is is new. And so we don't exactly know how it reacts with uh, humans. We know that, um we're learning things from our colleagues uh, who've had outbreaks longer than we have in other countries. And we're learning from folks in other parts of the United States that have more cases and they're sort of ahead of us in this. And and they're really giving us guidance on how to contain and protect our community as much as possible from what they've learned. Um, But, you know, this is different. It's a new kind of virus. And so we don't want people to panic. We want people to be prepared and to know that the same kind of public health interventions we recommend for these other viruses are what to do now. But we're trying to contain it so that it doesn't spread to particularly the people of highest risk and those being, you know, 60 and older and those with chronic conditions, things that weaken the immune system, lung problems, um, diabetes, heart problems, things like that. So we're treating this different because it's new, but it's not a reason for folks to have intense fear or pain panic, we're simply trying to contain it. And that's why you see these large cancellations in the governor's guidance yesterday, really so we can limit spread um, and kind of get rid of this as soon as possible.
2: We are talking with Dr. Heidi Gullett. She is a healthcare professional and she is a professor, a medical professor at the Case Western Reserve University, also an advisor to the Ohio Department of Health. Are, Are you a virologist?
3: I am not. I am a board-certified public health preventive medicine physician, and I'm also board-certified in family medicine, and I do have a clinical practice here in the city of Cleveland.
2: Awesome. The the only reason I asked is I want to see if you can do this for us anyway uh, without being specifically a virologist. How and why does something that already existed, like coronavirus, and you mentioned there are, what, six different strains or something? Uh, This is novel. As you say, it's new. What makes this one so different from all those other ones to the point where it's become a pandemic, to the point where it literally is just kind of sweeping the world? How how does something that just was around all the time become suddenly so incredibly easily transmitted to the point where we have what we are dealing with right now? And that's a loaded question, I know. But but what can you tell us?
3: It's a great question, and these are the kind of questions I've been answering with my patients. I had patient care till late last night, and I was getting all these kind of questions, so I really want (laughs) listeners to uh, have the best information. So from what we know is that Viruses have lots of different strains, and we know this around influenza and other kinds of viruses. So for coronavirus, we know of seven strains that infect humans. Four of them circulate seasonally and cause mild infection, colds, things like that. So if you look at the bottle of your cleaner, it probably says coronavirus on it, that it, it, it will get rid of that. That's these seasonal things that we see. There are three others that have emerged in recent years as what we call novel or new viruses, and those may be known to some listeners as stars. MERS, so S-A-R-S or M-E-R-S, or this new COVID-19 uh, coronavirus. So those three, um, we know, probably originated in animals. You've probably seen media reports of that and, and bats and other um, animals, and they make a jump to humans. But the thing is that even though we have these other seasonal coronaviruses, these newer novel viruses, our immune systems have never seen. And so we don't have natural immunity to them the way we do um, to other viruses that circulate on a regular basis. So what we see is that it can spread rapidly because people don't have a way to fight it off. And that's the idea behind creating a vaccine, which will take some time, probably 12 to 18 months is what our federal officials are telling us. So the vaccine would give people a little boost, kind of have seen it before, but we don't have that right now. So that's why you see it spreading. We do know that for every person who's infected with COVID-19, they typically infect two to three people. For a flu, for comparison, it's on average a 1.3, but if think about measles. That's usually, a, and one person with measles may infect 12 to 18 other people. So just to give you a sense, you know, it's new, our immune systems aren't used to it, and it does spread quickly, but compared to measles, it does not spread in that same kind of um, intensity.
2: So is it normal for, um, something like this to take a year or so? Cause they're talking a year to 18 months to really develop a vaccine. And, and, and I guess that's a loaded question too, because we don't even have a really a reliable flu vaccine. You know, we have the flu shot every year, but it's always made note, uh, made known that this is not going to guarantee you from not getting the flu. It's, it's what the uh, physicians predict will be the most likely strain. And so they kind of, you know, have to put, put together a new little concoction every single year. And it's still kind of a lot of guesswork. So, Mm-hmm. Is it is is the year to eighteen months or so that they're talking about from coming up with any kind of a vaccine for this COVID nineteen? Is that normal or is that this that much more complicated that it takes that much longer?
3: Well, I think it's a it's a novel virus. So you may remember back in two thousand nine and ten, we had H one N one and a vaccine was developed at that time, um, and so. But it took some time for us to get that out. And that season, we ended up with an annual influenza vaccine and a separate H1N1 vaccine. Mm -hmm. So we've seen this before. We've been through this before. And and folks, uh, researchers are actively developing a vaccine. But before it's released for general use, it does have to be tested, um, not just in animals, but also then tested in humans in certain phases. So some things can be fast-tracked, but safety is always a critical concern in public health. And so we want to ensure that before any vaccine would be released to the public, that there would be. Adequate understanding that it A works as much as it can and prime our immune systems to be ready to fight off the virus if we get exposed in the future. And then two, that it's safe for for our community. So those are the reasons for that time frame. And I've been following pretty closely um, our colleagues in the National Institutes for Health who are really spearheading some of this. And they continue to give sort of intermittent updates about um, the progress on the vaccine. Uh, But we don't have a treatment for this right now either. And so, you know, our goal is to contain it, minimize the number of people who get this, and um, Also, to treat symptomatically, so make sure that any symptoms, people have fever, cough, shortness of breath, are treated appropriately.
2: Dr. Gullett, um, as it pertains to the the coronavirus, uh, and you say it's going to take a long time, there are pharmaceutical companies in Great Britain that I read about this morning that are actually asking for volunteers, saying we'll pay you $4,500 for two weeks of studying you, let us inject you probably with a much less serious strain of of the novel coronavirus or covid-19. Uh but that this is the best way for them to study and figure out uh, a way to develop a vaccine. Is it possible that private pharmaceutical companies will be the answer to this before the government and the governments uh, you know the health organizations uh, will get to this and would you advise anybody to allow themselves to be injected for the purposes of research?
3: Yeah, I think um, at times like this where we have pandemics and we have infectious spread, we often see that uh, the private sector and the public sector, so businesses and government, come together and really for the best interest of our community. And so I would not be surprised to see private industry and uh, our government researchers working together to expedite a vaccine for the world. I think that all across the entire world, we want this to stop as quickly as possible. But we in public health know that this this these things happen and so that's why we're prepared. Um, but I, I would expect that we would see um, that kind of uh, unity and that kind of coming together. Um, I can't speak to specifics around exactly what that company is doing because I actually hadn't read about that particular one, I think everyone has to make a decision for themselves around mm-hmm. um, their own health conditions and about what they feel with regard to contributing to science. I think a lot of people participate in research studies really with the intent of trying to help the greater good. And so if you're healthy and you meet the inclusion criteria, then that's one thing to consider. But you know, our goal here, at least locally, is that we are all about containment. We're all about minimizing the spread and protecting the public as much as possible.
2: Dr. Gullett, you gave a lot of great answers to the questions we have now, but obviously the questions are going to change as the days and weeks go by, so hopefully we can call on you again to kind of give us an update on these things. Is that all right?
3: Indeed, yes, this is a fluid situation. And so our goal here at the Cuyahoga County Board of Health is really that we provide the public with the most accurate information in a timely manner. And so we've been doing a lot of radio and TV interviews, and it's really so that we can ensure the public has the right information. We don't want people right. to live in fear. We want you to know we're here, and, and we're here 24-7, 365, even when there isn't an infectious disease outbreak, because we're really committed to the health of every single person in our community. So absolutely, we'll continue to provide that information. It's
2: great to know that we can call on you for that. Thank you so much for your time this morning and all the great information.
3: Thank you. Have a great day.
2: Dr. Heidi Gullick, Case Western Reserve and the Cuyahoga County Board of Health, an advisor to the Ohio Board of Health. It's 1023. We're late to get out. Let's do it and get back in on AM 1420, The Answer. 1027, <clears throat> short segment here before the bottom of the hour. We will be guest free for the final half hour of the program. So it's a great chance for you to dial 216 and get in on all of this or 888-281-1110. I've been asked by two different friends by way of text. Over the course of the last few minutes, that I was talking with Dr. Gullett from Case, and she mentioned that yes, Case is also on the um, you know a no face-to-face instruction type thing for a few weeks, uh, following the advice of the governor. And two different people who have um, uh, children in college, who I know, texted me and asked me, "Do you think there are going to be rebates?" And my answer is, absolutely, there should be. I tweeted about this earlier this morning um, after I was talking about it with my wife yesterday. Now, we don't have a a person, well, God willing, they don't have to go to this drastic measure up at Hillsdale where my daughter goes, but uh, we haven't been affected by this personally, but we know people who have, and, and they're asking very good questions. If my son or daughter has to be home for the next three weeks and I'm feeding them, and I'm housing them, but I've also paid my room and board to feed them and to house them on campus. Um, is there going to be a is there going to be a rebate a refund? And my answer is, they're doggone well better be. I, if any college official, I, I, somebody asked me during that interview, and I wasn't going to ask this of the doctor, from Case, she's a she's a, a medical school professor. She's not a, a, a member of administration, but. If somebody in college administration at any of the universities that have shut down now or are planning to shut down throughout the end of the month, some are going well into April, and again, I don't care if it's John Carroll, Baldwin Wallace, Walsh, uh, Case Western, Ohio State, OU, Kent State, all the rest. What are you doing for, what are you doing about that? Are you going to be providing prorated rebates for parents who are paying for you to feed their kids and now you have sent their kids home to learn by way of their laptop? I'm just kind of curious because something should be done in that regard. I think it's a foolish mistake that the uh, governor made uh, to try to send everybody home when you just heard the doctor, uh, Dr. Gullett, saying, you know what, just do your normal things. Wash your hands, 20 seconds, happy birthday twice, um, you know, stay away from people who are exhibiting kind of symptoms, and if you are exhibiting symptoms, don't go out into public. Everybody else, go out and get into public. You're fine. You're not infected. Don't turn this into a panic. And I feel like Governor DeWine and the Ohio, his Ohio um, uh, advisors, uh, Board of Health advisors, I think Think they are playing into the panic. I do. I think it's a mistake, and I think there's a lot of colleges and a lot of other people that are going to be hurt by that. All right, you want to uh, speak on it? Please do so. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Right after this on AM fourteen twenty, the answer. <laughs> Onward, we roll at 1035. I count 25 minutes of Outstanding Awesome left for you on this, this broadcast. Is
4: confident, and he has every reason to be confident based on what he's accomplished in the, in the three years he's been president of this great country. Uh, I don't think it matters who they nominate. The president's going to win. And, I mean, I just don't. I think I think when you look at taxes cut, regulations reduce, economy growing, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh on the court out of the Iran deal, embassy, does all the things we've rattled off before, it's an amazing three years. And what, what people so appreciate about the president is he's doing what he said he would do. So that's why he's going to win. In spite of all the lies from the left, in spite of CNN doing all the baloney they do and out to get him and lying about him and all that stuff, he is going to win. And, you know, I look forward to the debates between Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump because I think the president's going to, you know, is going to win those as well.
2: Joe Biden is the man for the Democrats. He uh, swept through more primaries yesterday, essentially. Completing the Democrat coup uh, against Bernie Sanders. That's really what it was. Bernie Sanders was steamrolling the the competition, including Biden, who was terrible in Iowa and in New Hampshire and in Nevada. Suddenly, he wins in uh, South Carolina and, uh, they, uh, they get, uh, Buttigieg and Klobuchar to drop out and get all of them to endorse Biden in order to stop the Democratic Socialist or the Communist, if you will, Bernie Sanders from being their standard bearer. And, uh, so now it's Biden against Trump. You just heard Congressman Jim, jo- Congressman Jim Jordan had joined me last hour talking about how this should be of no concern whatsoever to Donald Trump. It's not about Biden. It's about what he has done and accomplished in this country over the course of the last three years that is going to get him reelected. And I certainly hope that is the case. All right, phone lines are open. 216-905 or excuse me, let me do that again. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Joe Biden got into a brawl yesterday. Not a physical one, although he wanted to make it one. Joe Biden working or talking rather with a bunch of workers uh in a in a uh Detroit uh car fa- car uh, uh, plant I don't know exactly which automotive plant he was he was visiting it doesn't matter but he was talking to a UAW worker who questioned him about taking away guns and Joe Biden said I didn't say I'll take away guns and the factory worker, the uh, the auto worker, said, "Yes, you did. It's on video, and it's viral. You and Beto O'Rourke. You said you would enlist him to be the uh, guy to go get your guns. He said you're full of blank." Then, after talking about how he's a supporter of the Second Amendment, Joe Biden said to the uh, to the individual, um, "You just don't need a hundred rounds. You don't need a hundred rounds for your AR-14." What? AR? What? Then he said to uh, the factory worker, I'll take your A outside. Essentially threatening, let's go outside and let's have it out. I'm going to go outside with your A is essentially what... How uh, do you
4: intend on getting the union vote when there is a large portion of the union workers that are gun enthusiasts and you are actively trying to diminish your Second Amendment right and take away your gun?
2: You're full of shit. Oh, oh, we got to stop that. Uh, Joe Biden literally said, you're full of blank." Then said, uh, "I am going to take your A outside." Listen, I
0: support the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment, just like right now, if you yell fire, that's not free speech. And from the very beginning, I have a shotgun. I'm I am failing,
2: have- by the way, to see the comparison there. I support the Second Amendment, he said, but then he said, "It's just like if you yell fire right now, that's not free speech," referencing the First Amendment. W- what apple and orange is he care is he comparing here? Makes no sense
0: whatsoever. Twenty gauge, a 12 gauge. My sons hunt. Guess what? You're not allowed to own any weapon. I'm not taking your gun away at all. You need 100 rounds. You were in when you said you're going to take our gun back. I means did blood. not say that. That's yeah, not. Tr- right. I did That's not a say viral that. Video. Can you imagine?
2: Donald Trump face-to-face with somebody questioning him, shouting at him and pointing his finger in his face, the way you hear with Joe Biden right here.
0: Well, it's a viral video like the other ones are putting out that are Your voice, you said that you're taking a gun. Well, oh, he
2: just clarified
5: it. Oh, wait, 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 wait.
2: wait! Take your, AR, your AR-14s away. Okay, okay, this is
5: not okay. They'll take your AR-14s away. Your AR-14s. All right. Hey, you
0: want to a lot and of guys. guys
4: you're
2: and that's what he said uh, about to take, uh, go outside with your A, which, of course, is uh, what has been in, said in many a bar, leading to many a bar fight. Uh, you want to take it outside? Let's take it outside. Joe Biden is not all there. Well, the factory worker, the auto worker, UAW worker that he was speaking with, uh, went on to uh, Fox News and addressed this little showdown with the former vice president and the new frontrunner for the Democrat Party.
0: Okay, Joe Biden yesterday hurling profanities at a construction worker from Detroit. Question, and I don't think that he was ready for it. Well, it was hard to hear. What did you
4: ask him? Uh, Well, I asked him how he was going to be helping get us work, us us union workers work Mm -hmm. in the future. Uh, We seem to be doing fine at the moment. Um, but there's always room for improvement and i wanted to give him the opportunity to show us where that improvement could come from and he and i also asked him i'm sorry you go ahead uh, i also asked him uh... how he wanted to get the vote of the working man when a lot of us wield arms we 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 bear arms and we like to do that and if he wants to give us work and take our guns i don't see how he's gonna get the same vote
1: so, his message has changed,
3: right? Is that your concern? Because he looked at you and he said, That's not true. I never said that. So, we went to the Wayback Machine, as Steve always says, and we found what he said in the past that really concerns you. Watch this.
0: To gun owners out there who say, Well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. You're right if you have an assault weapon. The fact of the matter is, they should be illegal, period. Look, the Second Amendment doesn't say you can't restrict the kinds of weapons people can own so
2: that was one of the viral actually let's let's clarify that the second amendment absolutely mentions nothing about restrictions the second amendment just says directly that the people have the right to keep and bear arms and that right shall not be infringed it doesn't say the kind of arms that joe biden likes it doesn't say the kind of arms that Robert Francis O'Rourke likes. It specifically says that the, that the right of Americans to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So therefore, what Joe Biden calls an assault weapon is completely irrelevant, especially when he doesn't know what an assault weapon really is. It's indefinable. I suppose if I, if I shoot somebody with a thirty-eight special, I've assaulted somebody with my weapon. If I shoot somebody with my AR-15, I've assaulted somebody with my weapon. If Joe Biden tries to shoot somebody with an AR-14, uh, well, then he just needs to go back to the rubber room. Because there isn't one. But you understand the point. They are trying to absolutely restrict uh, Second Amendment rights. And they're doing so without... Any sort of constitutional grounds whatsoever, they are making up stories and making up, uh, fabricating uh, aspects to the Second Amendment that do not exist. And he got called on it by a UAW worker. Now, why do I care about this? Do I care about Second Amendment? Absolutely I do. But why am I focusing on this right now? Because what he did in response is is directly impactful in this election. If anybody challenges Joe Biden, Joe Biden goes off the deep end. Joe Biden gets in your face, points in your finger. Remember what he said to the one uh, uh, town hall guy who challenged him? He said, okay, fat. And then he proceeded to berate the guy. Um, Joe Biden gets ready to get into fisticuffs with people whenever they challenge him. And the worst part about that is is he's going to face more and more challenges because he seems to not be all there. He just isn't there. He's answering questions that weren't asked. He's giving answers to questions that were not asked. He's announcing his his, uh, location in the wrong places. Twice now he has uh, announced that he is running for different offices than the one that he's running for, which is President of the United States. He's either forgetting or fabricating stories about being arrested in South Africa. He's making up fantasy tales about bad guys named Corn Pop uh, needing to to be dealt with, with a pipe. He's bragging about little children, children rubbing his leg hair before calling them roaches and talking about how much he likes when they bounce up and down on his lap. The guy is just not all there, and it's getting worse. Not to mention the fact that the guy simply cannot speak. He really, he really has a hard time with just, just regular
0: regular. We words. raise turnout exponentially across... What? The- what? We raise turnout what? We raise turnout exponentially across the board.
2: Apparently he never took a math class and never learned what an exponent is and therefore doesn't know what exponentially means. He says that one all the time. This is the Democrat Party nominee. This is the Democrat Party standard bearer. And I can't wait, as easily as he gets triggered by people like that autoworker, I can't wait to hear Donald Trump troll and trigger him on the debate stage. What will he say and do? Because nobody, but nobody, trolls an opponent quite like Donald Trump does. He knows how to get under the skin of people, like Marco Rubio when he was on the debate stage with him. He knows how to get under the skin of people like Jeb Bush. He knows exactly which buttons to push to trigger them. And Joe Biden, when triggered, gets profaned, and he gets uh, somewhat violent, or at least speaks of getting violent. It's really a crazy, crazy thing to see. And that's why I don't envy people like Kate Bedingfield. Kate Bedingfield is one of Biden's spokespersons who has to go out there and answer the question, why did Joe Biden curse at a UAW union worker and threaten to t- tell him he's full of blank and threaten to t- go outside with his A while bragging about his AR-14. So, much different tone. I assume he's talking about AR-15s there and getting into a Second Amendment battle with that, that voter. What do you think of that? Obviously, the campaign aide was trying to move him along at that moment.
3: Listen, there is a lot of misinformation, unfortunately, uh, in campaigns these days. We see it from every every corner. Stop!
2: Stop. It's not misinformation. Nobody is misquoting him. It's video. When there's video and when there's audio, it's not misinformation. It's not a misquoting. It's not a, a newspaper reporter writing down the wrong thing that somebody said. It's there. It's not misinformation.
3: And I think what Biden was saying there is, I'm not going to allow somebody to, to distort my record.
2: To distort your record, his record is him saying, yes. If you have an assault weapon, we're coming for it.
0: Bingo. You're right if you have an assault weapon.
2: <laughs> it's not distorted. The, the, the auto worker said specifically what Joe Biden has said, and he called him full of blank and threatened to take him outside. There is a legi- and, and look, I spent about two solid weeks on this program detailing the dangers and the horrors of socialism when it looked like Bernie Sanders was going to be their, their uh, frontrunner and maybe their nominee. Now that we know that's not the case, it's going to be Joe Biden. We're going to have to do this on a daily basis. Everybody needs to know exactly how far out there. And by the way, I say this with no glee. I say this with no joy. I know there are a lot of people who have had family members with mental faculties in decline whether it's diagnosed as early onset dementia or whether it's diagnosed as Alzheimer's or whether it's diagnosed with whatever kind of mental acuity deficiency that people kind of have, some people have, not all obviously, uh, as they age, uh, people are describing that this exact thing. What they see and hear from Joe Biden is exactly how their loved ones sounded as they started to fade into that particular sad um, mental state. It's just a reality that we are going to have to address as to whether or not he has the mental faculties to be president. The the most powerful
1: job in the world. There is no harder job than being the president of the United States of America. So I'll ask again, does the 77-year-old guy we are watching every day now, does he have the stamina? Does he have the strength? Does he have the focus? Does he have the alertness? Does he have the mental focus, focus, the mental toughness? And even the mental stability to be president, it's a fair question. Is this how he's going to treat world leaders? Quid pro quo Joe kind of looks pretty frail to me. Is he going to invite Putin to a fight or a push-up contest or even little rocket man? Because I think, frankly, anyone will be able to kick his ass. Now, it's so bad that the Biden campaign, they are now trying to cover for quid pro quo Joe. They're trying to keep Joe out of the public spotlight. In other words, they are hiding him
2: from the... And they're also sitting him down at the debate on Sunday. They're sitting him down. Let me say it again. They're sitting him down. They convinced the DNC to change the debate stage from a podium debate with Bernie Sanders to a seated debate because Joe's physical health may not be a whole heck of a lot better than his mental health. That he can't stand on his feet and face the fatigue and stay sharp mentally. That he loses his focus. And so now they're going to make sure he can sit down. It's really a remarkable and sad thing to see. Let me get a couple of these in here before the uh, break. Uh, AC in Cleveland. AC, you're on AM 1420, the answer. Go ahead.
5: Yes, Bob. I wanted to inform you of another kind of virus. Uh, You may have already heard about this, okay? Okay. It affects... It's going to affect college students, okay? And it's going to be in the May time
4: frame. Have you heard that... uh, Hanoi Jane is going to be speaking at Kent State University. Of course, you have. Yes. Okay. Now let's. Uh, oh, that
2: was your joke—the virus of Jane Jane Fonda. Okay, got it. Got well, it. Yeah. I call, uh, call it. I call it. A, I'd call it the Viet, Viet
5: Cong virus. And uh, it's really yeah, bad. and that's
2: appropriate. AC, hey, I like that. By the way, that's the, that's a, that's a pretty good euphemism for it. Um, I wonder. And thanks for the call. I don't know if that's going to go off. By the way. The reason I say that is because Kent State is one of the schools that is canceling all of their events. My son was going to go to a football visit there uh, this Saturday, uh, a junior day visit for recruiting, and they canceled that. Uh, so I don't know how long they're far out they're going to cancel things. I think it's going to be into, well into April, but she's not coming until May. So we'll see if they, uh, if they have that gathering. It'll be really, really interesting to see. Uh, TJ in Cleveland. TJ, go ahead.
5: Yeah, you know, Bob, Democrats know this guy's losing his mental facilities faculties, I'm sorry, but uh, they're still going to vote for them. They don't care. They're going to vote oh, of course, for him because, because
2: a vote you know, a vote for him is a vote against Trump. A vote for anybody right. is a vote against Trump. That's all that matters.
5: And they know that you know if he wins, he's not going to be a president. They're going to move him aside as quickly as they can, and whoever his VP is going to be, they're going to move into that position. And that's what you know they're hoping for. AOC will be running the country, you know, with Joe Biden as a figurehead. Well, but she can't.
2: No, well, she yeah. can't. She's not. Old no, enough no, I'm to saying be a new her policies. VP. Oh, I see.
5: But, yeah, I got you. But you know, in all uh, fairness, the governor Dewine. You know, I think the guys between a rock and a hard space. And I agree with you, this is total overreaction, you know, to this virus. But if he doesn't do anything, and let's just say at one of these events, this corona starts to spread, they would crucify him for not doing anything. So no matter what he does, either position he takes, it's not good for him. So I I, I kind of feel a little sorry. yeah
2: I, I to to a degree T J thanks for the call my friend I got to get our break here uh, to a degree I do understand he is in a in a tough spot politically speaking but I just do not think that he nor any other Republican leader should just buy into the leftist led hysteria in order to continue to harm the national economy it'll harm the Ohio economy it'll harm the national economy and it's all because uh you know because uh, Mike DeWine I think is just not the strongest leader that we could have. I'm not saying we should have voted for Richard Cordray, but I can tell you this. i got a lot of room for growth with Mike DeWine thus far. Right back after this. All right, last segment. i got time for two phone calls before the top of the hour. It's been a very busy day. We've hit a lot of subjects and covered a lot of ground. Uh, Let's see who's going to bring it home for us. Uh, It's going to be Todd in Ward 1. Todd, you're on AM 1420, the answer. Fire away.
4: Yo, Bob, I'm not looking forward to another showcase that they call a debate. As a private citizen and a loyal voter and a person who's very invested in the well-being of this country, I want these people to debate people of industry and mm. community activists. I don't want to see Biden debate But Biden. isn't
2: that what town halls are?
4: They do that. No. They talk to
2: they talk no. to industry leaders and no. and local no. leaders and local activists.
4: No. What I no? want what I want is for the questions to be published well in advance. I want them to be clear, concise and made to the public and then I want the questions to be taken down one at a time so that they've had ample amount of time prior to the debate to put together the answers, and I want it to be on time restraints, and I don't want to see anybody go over because they want to um, embellish. That's what I want to see so I can make a clear, conscious understanding about what kind of person is trying to assume the presidency.
2: I can see some merit to that, Todd. Thanks for the call. I'm going to get my last caller in here. I can see some merit to that, but you know what I would prefer? Rather than canned questions from moderators in the typical debate, debate format and rather than the one you just described – I would prefer a Lincoln-Douglas-style debate. I would love to have them actually talking directly to one another, asking each other questions, answering each other's questions, with a moderator there only to try to keep the peace. I would love to see something in that vein. Uh, but thank you for the call. Let me finish with Dave calling us from Litchfield on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Dave, go ahead.
4: Hey, Bob. Um, this uh, decline with Joe, um, I don't think it's wise to have a debate um, with him for trump to have that because most family members um deny that their loved one is in you know decline and so it's going to look brutal like you're beating up on him and there's just there's just going to be a sympathy you know outpouring look what look what trump did to joe you know he beat him all all the heck i don't think it's going to play well
2: i think that's a very very good point Dave um, President Trump I think would win this debate with him hands down but he would have to be uber careful about looking like a bully because the man is almost defenseless because he doesn't know a lot of things thanks for the call his mental faculties are in such decline it will look bad it will look like a bullying situation that's a very very fair point I I don't know the answer to it because the American people are not going to you know accept not having a debate between the two nominees but um, yeah Trump would have to be very very careful in that regard but we'll see where it goes. We'll see if uh, Biden changes at all uh, between now and uh, uh, after their, uh, uh, their convention and this whole thing gets going. Thank you to Jim Jordan. Thank you to Jim Renese. Thank you to Dr. Gullett for all being on the show today. Thank you to Andrew and Marcy, and thanks to you for listening. Be well. Be safe. We'll see you tomorrow.